Recently, Elon Musk and other technology leaders came out requesting a moratorium on further advancements in artificial intelligence. Should we be that afraid of AI? Welcome to The Conquering Truth. I'm Dan Horn. I'm Jonathan Sides. I'm Charles Churchill. And I'm Joshua Horn. Elon Musk of PayPal, Tesla, uh, SpaceX, and Twitter fame came out recently having signed a document saying that there should be a six-month moratorium on future development of artificial intelligence. Um, Wozniak, one of the co-founders of Apple Computer, he signed it. There were about a 1,000 other people that signed it saying that that because of the, the speed with which AI is advancing, that, that the governments need to get involved and they need to put a worldwide moratorium so that nobody does any future AI work until the governments figure out how to regulate it. And then someone, uh, Eliezer Yudkowsky, wrote, having spent like 20 years investigating this, he works for Machine Intelligence Research Institute, he then came out afterwards saying, the key issue is not human competitive intelligence, as the open letter puts it. It's what happens after AI gets to be smarter than human intelligence. Many researchers steeped in these issues, including myself, expect that the most likely result of building a superhumanly smart AI under anything remotely like the current circumstances, is that literally everyone on Earth will die. Not as in maybe possibly some remote chance, but as in that is the obvious thing that would happen. All these people are related to the field. Obviously, Musk has you know, quite a bit of connection to it through the self-driving cars and things like that. And they're very concerned about it. Should we be that concerned that artificial intelligence is going to take over the world? No. Okay, we're done with the podcast. That was easy. <laughs> I mean, and I mean, one of the things that happens here is, is obviously there. These people are really concerned, but there's this part of it where should we have any concern about artificial intelligence? Sure, but not necessarily the concern for the reason that they're saying artificial intelligence is a tool. It can be used in different ways, and just like any other tool that has great ability or great power, and we can even talk about whether it has anywhere near as great a power as they're suggesting it does. But like any other tool. What you should really be afraid of is the way it allows man to sin against one another. And that's really where the focus should, you know, if you're worried about something is how do you constrain the sin of man and in what ways do you need to constrain the sin of man? But in the any time that people on earth put all their fear on this external thing, they say this is the biggest thing to be feared. You know they're wrong. The thing to be feared is God. That is the fundamental thing that Christians should fear. It's the thing that people in the world should fear. It's what the church should always be pushing people to fear. And anyone who's pushing anything else as the major fear in the world, they're selling their own form of worship. They're selling their own form of ideology. They're, they're really competing against God. And so, no, artificial intelligence is not the greatest thing in the world that should be feared. It's not even close to it. There's another thing in there that I think you have to mention in that list, which is people lie. Yes. That, Meaning, that was, yes. I don't I, really thank you for believe that. that these people these people are intelligent people in the industry – you know, some of them, like Wozniak's been out of it for a while. I could see him being, you know, misled. It's really hard for me to see Elon Musk actually believing what he signed. Like, really hard for me to believe. Because he knows how hard it has been to solve the problem. He spent a lot of money to try to solve a problem that he hasn't come close to solving, even though he keeps saying in six months it'll be solved. And so if it's that easy to solve, why hasn't he done it? And the I, only- think, I think part of it comes down to some definitions um of what is artificial intelligence 
um, because you know the what they're worried about is I think it's called uh, artificial general intelligence, where they're saying artificial intelligence is something, and they're probably the terms might maybe they have a more technical definition, but basically, article artificial intelligence is where you have Something, you know, your computer is running something that seems intelligent and it does things that are amazing that you would not expect the computer to be able to do. But it, it does the thing you want it to do really well in this little box. And the artificial general intelligence is where it breaks out of the box, where now it takes over every computer in the world, where it somehow develops, you know, a, a consciousness, things like that. So the, part of the thing is they're saying that we have made that tools have been made that are so amazing that they're going to jump this plane to another thing. And they're saying, and a part of it comes down to the philosoph- philosophical question of, is that possible? Is it possible for something that is a program running on a computer to suddenly just start doing other things and start, you know, making moral decisions and having ambitions and goals and things basic like uh, having the characteristics of a human. As opposed to lying about it, which is what ChatGPT does. Because you can ask it the right questions, and it will respond back in things that sound like it has ambition. But it doesn't. It's just responding back. It has no no conscience. It has no consciousness. I mean, it has no idea of what it is. All it's doing is is going out there and doing some data mining and kicking back what it thinks you want to hear. And so it's not nearly as sophisticated as people want to make it out to be. But it's really important for us to recognize that this is how so much of the world gets driven, though. Look at how many trillions of dollars. I mean, think about that, trillions of dollars. It has to be 20 or $30 trillion worldwide now we've spent on, on climate change, which has no real evidence that it's any significance. All the predictions consistently are false. They do not come to pass the way they say they will. And so... And yet we spend trillions of dollars worldwide. We're willing to destroy our economy over it. We're willing to do insane things out of fear. And I get the feeling that climate change is kind of coming to the end. It'll be another 10, 20 trillion in, but it's coming to the end. And I think they want to ramp up something new. I mean, I think that there's so much money in fear mongering that this is the newest thing that, hey, if you get people scared enough about this, People throw a lot of money at things they're afraid of. I mean, another thing which we talked about quite a while ago is, you know, aliens. Um, we touched on it at least where it's something that it's it's a belief that this thing that we have no evidence that it exists. It's a belief that it must exist, that we will find it and we'll throw a lot of money at finding it. Or in this case, you know, stopping it um, when in, in either case, you know, it. it there's no proof that it's ever going to happen. It's just a belief that it is going to happen. And it it comes down to people are fearing the wrong things, like Charles said. You know, in Matthew ten twenty eight, it says, And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. And people are, instead of fearing God, who can actually destroy soul and body, they're afraid that somehow chat GPT or, you know, 10th generation from now, of chat GPT will somehow be able to destroy the body. And that's what they're, that's the fear they're selling. Just like the fear they're selling when they talk about climate change. It's this fear that, that drives people to spend a lot of money. And so Elon Musk, we shouldn't, you know, Elon Musk, I'm not discounting what he did, but we should also recognize he's really good at marketing, like unbelievably good at marketing. That's how he became a billionaire. And I agree with what you said about him believing. I mean, the only way I can see Elon Musk believing 
completely what he said is out of pride in his belief in his, in in man's capabilities. When you talked about lies, I actually thought it was good bringing that up because there's multiple ways that artificial, I mean, a big part of artificial intelligence, the sin that is committed with it is with lying. I mean, it's with lying about what it does. It's with lying about how useful things are with it. It's about lying that you can turn responsibility over it to it. I mean, it's, it's all these lies that people want to tell about it. To me, that's a million times more dangerous than the technology itself. And when I first heard people talking about it, the first thing everybody that I heard talking about it was, you know, hey, nobody will ever have to write a paper again. <laughs> you just get ChatGPT to write paper for you, right? And so when you were saying before that, you know, here's a new tool that you can send in new ways, everybody immediately saw the way that people would send right. that, that instead of learning anything, all they'd do is they'd get ChatGPT to write the paper for them. And that the their teacher would not be able to detect the difference between ChatGPT and something that an ordinary student wrote, right? Which very, very likely is true. You mentioned fear mongering a couple times, and it's important. I mean, when people talk about fear mongering, they forget that fear mongering really is about selling fear. It's not just about saying you should fear this thing. It is that they say, if I suggest people fear this thing, I can cause them to pay me in these ways. Fear-mongering is about money and power, and it's fundamentally about money. And so, I mean, I mean, 1 Timothy 6.10, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. And so, Timothy, in, in here in Timothy, Paul is talking and he's saying, the love of money is so strong that there are people who, even within the church, who have seen the faith, they've seen the goodness of it, they've seen the truth of God, they've been willing to trade that for, the, for money. How much more so in the world? How much more so in the world where people, all they think about, all they ever cared about in the beginning was money, would they be willing to, to drum up fear for things? This is, I mean, this is what you should expect the primary reason for why they're talking about this. This should be what you should think first, not second. And it's not even that they necessarily aren't afraid of it. It's just that they weigh things, right? They look at it and they go, oh, maybe it's getting warmer. And then they go, well, if I get everybody else to do that, then obviously there'll be real financial rewards for it. And then the scientists go, oh, if I put in a request for a grant that says that the world is not getting warm and I put one that it will, guess which grant will be right. will be approved? The one that says that it's going to get warmer. And so everybody ends up chasing money without necessarily – even looking at it, it's just changing the biases on their decisions so that they're more likely to make the decision that will create more money for them. Right. And, I mean, there's other reasons that people fearmonger as well. I mean, one of the big ones, like with COVID, you know, I mean, there are some people out to make money. But a lot of people, um, you know, your neighbor wasn't making money off of it. Your neighbor was, if he was fearmongering, it's probably because he was afraid. And so there are people. He was buying fear, right? He bought fear, and then people who buy fear, they want to get other people to join with them in their fear. There's no question that that's true too. And so, I mean, it's going, you know, it's kind of been spiraling up. This idea that that this is going to be incredibly transformative, and when you think about it, ChatGPT isn't that that astounding, but yet people are looking at it and going, "Oh, this is." I mean, it's astounding compared to what computers could do 10 years ago but so are a lot of things that computers do well i mean it's pretty astounding it, but is it it's, any is it more not. astounding in the sense of when you go back and you watch the movie 
Forbidden Planet or some of these movies, some of these movies from the '60s, and then it. you look at special <laughs> effects today. Is it that much more? You know, I mean, is it that much more astounding in the sense of the jump in technology with what they can do with visual things? I mean, it's it's on the same level. It's. I mean, it's I think that it's a lot more astounding that that your phone's likely to get pretty close if you speak to it that it will write it out in the sentence that's actually a harder problem to solve right. than the problem that they did with chat gpt right as a computer programmer for for 40 years i guarantee that is a harder problem to solve than what they solve with chat gpt chat gpt is a hardware thing right but 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 for, we're not talking about which was the hardest thing to solve because having a bank and or an airline that processes millions of transactions a day is probably it's harder than doing than doing a lot of things but it's not very impressive that the things that's work what as it you is. it's impressive it's, yeah it's impressive and, and but, but that's what I mean. but there's a difference between impressive in this i mean it's kind of like things that are things that demo really well chat gpt demos really 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 well i mean there are technologies that are incredibly more technological but they're they don't look impressive they don't seem impressive to understand how hard it is you have to understand a huge amount of things and this one you just have to go wow i don't have to ever write a paper again (laughs) and and you're willing to be impressed by that part of the impressiveness there is that i mean you think about the the sorts of ways that the human imagination can run and and we've had this fear about the coming robot apocalypse i mean and that's a very old thing since long before many of these technologies were around but then all of a sudden this thing comes in and it slots well into that particular sets of fears okay now all of a sudden this makes that thing that really is bizarrely crazy it makes it a tiny bit more plausible but because it's that one step further to the thing that you're already afraid of it's really easy to buy into. And another thing that people are afraid of is that we're all going to lose our jobs because the computers are going to be doing it for them. Because um, chat GBT is going to be doing it for you. Um, and and so, you know... you <laughs> Most journalists probably should be because chat GPT yeah. is about as accurate as they are. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and the thing is, you know, you could say that it's not going to make everyone lose their jobs and still say that some people will lose their jobs. Um, people who are writing, um, you know, if people in you know Thailand or whatever, they're just writing out pages of garbage text to fill up spam websites. Some of them are going to lose their job because they no longer that's no longer needed. But because you you know you low quality text, um, but you know that doesn't mean that lawyers are going to lose their job just because it can spit out a, a legal brief that looks plausible. But so, I do think that one thing. I mean, I was serious kind of about the journalists is that the reality is that the people who are actually reporting on this and are elevating it as a story, they are the group of people that is most likely to lose their job. Because a lot of the stuff they do is just they generate copy that's really dumb to generate, and it's just, you know, you could have chat GPT do most of the stories in a newspaper. I mean, when you talk about that, when you talk about like even back to what we said about you don't have to write a paper again, one of the things that immediately came to mind is one of the reasons why this seems so fearsome is because we've lowered – We've lowered the standard so low on what it what we expect from people. We've lowered the standard of what it takes to think. Because there's, I mean, I remember when I first started doing my job in sales, and there was a part of it where I was selling something that in the beginning I definitely didn't understand a lot of it. And so there was a part of it where in sales what you do is you learn to sort of parrot what the person who knows what he's talking about, you learn to say it in ways that sounds reasonable, even though you don't know what you're talking about. And the issue is, is you can go into a lot of encounters and you can talk with people and in the initial encounters, you can deal with them. And I remember there were points where I was thinking, I'm getting pretty good at this. 
I can handle not needing a technical person on the phone. And I remember having someone pin me on the phone and they started asking me questions. And I remember trying to answer them and I didn't know what to say because I was running my, my predictive text generator had hit a limit because I didn't know how to think about what I actually was talking about. All I knew how to do was put a word after another that sounded like something I'd heard someone else say. And there's this part of it where a lot of times when people are writing papers today in education, none of them are thinking. All they're doing is, is they're looking at other papers and they're just trying to write sentences that sound like other sentences that other people have written. And in the end, reporting has become like that. Reporting isn't about actually, because getting down to the truth is hard. Getting down and actually determining that what you should say, what the actual key thing about this is, that's difficult. Writing something that sounds clever, not that difficult. And so when you look at ChatGPT and say it's impressive, what you're really saying is, is this imitates thinking as well as a lot of people imitate thinking. But it doesn't actually do thinking. And there's this part of it where, I mean, you could write a policy. <laughs> Neither do they. <laughs> right. And, and so, and, I, mean, and de- I mean, I actually think that's a really big part of it is, is we know that people, we've stopped expecting people to think. And so when you look at ChatGPT, there's a lot of people it could replace because they've never been expected to think, and they've never really ever done it. So in the end, yeah, a computer could do as well as they've been doing, because they're not really actually doing anything with their mind already. Oh, well, a lot of computer programmers, they could look at what it's doing and say, it can do as good of a job as me. Now, whether that's true, I don't think that's entirely true. But then there's other people, like, when I do computer programming, I couldn't even describe what I'm doing if I could describe what I needed to do to ChatGPT, I would just do it. The problem is I need to like debug things and figure out how to do things and fit it into a huge system, which it can do none. It can do none of that. So, so the thing is, it like it can't even. You know, if you can describe your problem, if you want to say like, build me a website. Well, now, now that's something that it could possibly do. And I've used it for like little things. Like I wasn't from, like you know I want to do this in Excel and it gives me a formula and it's not quite right but it's pretty close and it saves time I mean things like if all you're doing is putting in Excel formulas maybe you should be worried but you know if you're doing stuff that's more detailed than that then you know it's, it might, might help you at some point but it's not going to take your job but I mean one thing that we should recognize with this and you know the government is in here meddling on one side changing the cost of a lot of work because when they're talking about a $15 per hour minimum wage, when they're talking about doing all this money that they poured out into the system in COVID and all these things, they basically changed the financial dynamics of a lot of jobs, right? Like California is talking about a $15 minimum wage. So McDonald's is just simply automating everything. And so all these things have the cost benefit trade off that you have to sit back. And if on the one side, the government's trying to push really hard to drive up the costs of having employees, yeah, employees are going to lose their jobs. That's what always happens when you raise minimum wage. Right. And so the higher you push, the more chat GPT and other things like this, there's more jobs that get to the, be the point where people go, hey, I could use chat GPT to do the same thing. We've recorded another episode where we talk about men that won't work and we kind of talk about how Within politics, there's a there's a section of American politics that is very interested in taking as many people as possible out of the workforce, and so and that's kind of what you're talking about in some ways. I mean, so there's this there's just there's this drive, and so and they can do that by by a number of things. One of the things they can do is also through fear mongering, is you can cause because there's a part of it where if you go 
just getting a job will be too hard. Just going out there and even, it's not even worth it. It's not even worth trying. It's not even worth bothering. There's just starts to be, there's this level of attrition where there's, there's, a, there's a certain percentage of people that won't even push to go get hired again. They'll just say, I can try to find other ways to live. And I can become one of those people who doesn't work, basically. One thing that also happens is that the way you can stoke the fear is that you see things develop and it takes a step forward at a certain rate. And you pretend like that will continue to go at that rate or exponentially increase. And with that, then you can cause all kinds of fear because what you do is you don't – when people prototype things, what they do is – and I've done prototypes. You skip all the hard problems. Right. You do the easy things that are showy, that you can do a demo, that you can get money for because you showed that you can kind of do something like it. But the people who are good on the other side, that when they we do a proof of concept, they go, do this. They don't go, oh, just show us something. Because if you just say, oh, just show us something, of course we can show you something. And But ChatGPT, remember, they're driving what they get to say that they're going to show. And so, and the people asking the questions are working in concert with them. Right. And so all of a sudden, you're not like looking at a prototype saying, what didn't you cover to actually solve the problem? And are some of these things simply insolvable? And part of it is this belief that nothing is insolvable. And it simply is false. It's just a blatantly false idea that every problem can be solved, which is why you have people that continue to try to solve problems all the time that, that they never get solved because – there's things in this world that God hasn't given us the ability to do. Like, I mean, some of it's really basic. Like, the text generator can't do math. Like, it just can't do math at all. Like, 2 plus 2. It struggles with 2 plus 2. But it, it could easily do that. <laughs> it could. Um, that one. But and then, like, the image generators, like, fingers can't do fingers. Te- like, text on a billboard, that's a real problem. So, things, I mean, some of these things they might fix, but there are other ones might be that they just can't get it to work. And the, and the point is, is that it will never be general because they have to get it to do each one of these things. And so they're pretending like they can take these things that has specific, you know, silos and that somehow they'll take those silos and, and chat GPT will bust out of the silo and all of a sudden it will be a general purpose intelligence thing. I'm sorry. What you can do is you can continue to, just like you do with everything else, is you keep adding functional enhancements to have it do something else. And, yes, you can continue to do that, and you can convince people that, hey, it's general, when you're still going back and changing the code to get it to do what you want it to do. To because do very specific things. To do very specific things. But, you know, talking about the explosion of technology, I mean, Jordan Peterson did a video where he goes, oh, this is just going to change everything. And, and it's worth considering what he has to say because he even gets a lot of the technology right. So I'll tell you what Chad GPT is just so you know because you need to know this. And I don't know what sort of technological revolution this is. Gutenberg press level? It's something like that. This is a big deal. So this AI system, it's a general language processing model, was released about a week ago, a week and a half ago. And... Uh, I, I went and interacted with it. You can, it's an AI system, artificial intelligence system. It basically is trained on, well, a massive corpus of, of spoken and, or of text. So it's derived its models of the world from the analysis of human speech, essentially. It, it isn't using real world data yet, but that will be happening certainly within the next year. So, and chat GPT analyzes a very large corpus of text, and that corpus is growing all the time. 
Now, it's already sophisticated enough. I went on to it last week and I said, okay, some of you know I, I've written these books, 12 Rules for Life, and then Beyond Order, 12 more rules, because, you know, you can't have enough rules. And I asked it, this is what I asked it to do. I said, write me an essay that's a 13th rule for Beyond Order, written in a style that combines the King James Bible with the Tao Te Ching. That's a pretty difficult that's pretty difficult to pull off, you know? Any one of those things is hard. The intersection of all three, that's impossible. Well, it wrote it in about three seconds, four pages long, and it isn't obvious to me, for better or worse, that I would be able to tell that I didn't write it. Right. I mean, one thing that's interesting is he goes, I couldn't tell if it was better or worse than one of mine. It shows that he's pretty formulaic in what he does. Because all ChatGPT does is take that corpus of information and and you know kind of search through to see if there's things that fit. It's not like actually implying applying intelligence to it, which means that the things that he writes in his twelve you know rules book or whatever they had to be pretty straightforward rules. I don't remember what they are. I've heard a few of them. Right. I mean, he would probably even agree with that in one sense that they that they are pretty straightforward rules. And, and right. some of it is. I mean. There's a part of it is that there's nothing new under the sun. So what you're saying has been said before somewhere. Now, it doesn't mean that ChatGPT can replicate it. But, you know, there's plenty. If you want it to spit out, you know, 50 reasons why you should be a Calvinist, it'll do that. And a lot of them will be pretty sound because it's just pulling stuff that is people have said. I mean, one of the interesting things is when he says, you know, it, it, it's amazing that it does this that quickly. The answer is this is exactly and only what it's designed to do. The thing that amazes him is exactly what this tool does, is string words together very quickly that have a good chance of sounding like they should follow the other word. And so, I mean, and I mean, I work at a company where Dan works on, Joshua works on, we write tools to convert programming languages from one programming language to another. And we can take and we can dump millions and millions of lines of one language in and we can generate code out on the other side that has been converted. And the point here is that each, that it does exactly, not that it just looks like code that should follow. That's a lot easier, but that it does what on the other side should do. And when you show people that, that's really impressive. There's this part, But in the end, it took you, it's taken a long time and it takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of work and it takes a lot of effort. But what it does is impressive. But in the end, there's a part of it where if you asked it to do other things, if you tried to make it do other things, it is not good at those other things. Or it can't – well, and depending on what you mean, it just cannot do things. Right. If you say drive my be- car, it cannot drive a car. <laughs> right. It ha- right. And, it, and no matter how long you left it hooked up to your car and no matter what input you put into it, it will never drive your car. So they get feed it with a sp- specific corpus of data and then he goes – but you know what's going to happen? They're going to put the whole world of data in it. Do you know what happens when you put the whole world of data in it? It's no longer curated, which doesn't mean it gets better. It means it gets worse because ChatGPT has no idea what is a good source and what is a bad source. Right. It's reading Urban Dictionary. It's reading Reddit. It's reading... Right, it's, it's reading Reddit okay. and it's reading YouTube comments. It's reading Laura <laughs> Laura Mipsum, Dole, you know, I mean it's it's reading everything. 
and it has no idea to, how to tell what's good or what's bad. Obviously, you can do weighting algorithms. That's what you do. You say, well, if it came from you know, a comment on a video, we want to weigh it less. But you can also have a huge number of people that just go out there and make stupid comments. You know, They're trying to sell something, and all of a sudden, ChatGPT is going to do the same thing in terms of what you get comments, where somebody, you know, you go to some sites and they keep people post ads up there for stuff. ChatGPT will generate those ads for you. Great. Which um, we should get already, as bad I mean, junk as you do from, from comments now on videos. Which, I mean, is already happening because the uh, Microsoft Bing version, which I think it's just, it's from the same co- uh, company. I mean, it, they added, they made that one connect to the internet and it does pull up you know, articles about itself and it ends up like people post articles and then it actually changes its answer because of what the article said. And it just, it just is, there's no, it has no way of judging what, whether something is true. So fundamentally what's required is intelligence to make it appear intelligent. And so he's looking at it going, this will be this huge risk when all they bring in all that data, it can process all that data, but it doesn't have any way to know what's good or bad. I mean, it's very much like, you know, the whole – it's it's a the creation problem, right, that the people that believe in evolution. The problem that they have is they, they say, well, things evolved, but how do you evolve the thing that reads it at the same time that you evolve the thing that, that was created, that was doing it, right? Like DNA. How do you get both at the same time, both pieces, so that it replicates? That's a really hard problem, like on the order of impossible. Right. It's they've tried it. The the science of that is at the same level now as it was when I was in when I entered high school. It hasn't advanced at all. Zero. Because it's basically a problem that's not actually solvable. They want to act like, well, what we've gotten is we've got produced amino acids, which is what they were like. This was when I was in high school. They were going, we produce amino acids. We've from the primordial soup. We've basically solved evolution. And then they could never go a step further because the step further actually takes some intelligence. And there's no intelligence there to produce it. And he's acting like you can bring in all this data and then because this thing can take a small subset of data, relatively small, very large compared to other things, but a relatively small set of data and that's curated data that you say you can trust and that can produce things, all of a sudden you put uncurated data in and there's no intelligence in it anymore and all of a sudden it doesn't look intelligent. It looks foolish. And even once you have that other data in, even if the data was good, it's still just going to be a text processor. At the end of the day, all it can do is predict, is put text after another that you be- that sounds like it should be there, which means it's not necessarily true at all. It doesn't even has. I mean, it, half and, the time it just makes things up. Let's define some of that. Sounds like it should be there. Sounds like it should be there is because it's reading what humans wrote that actually have intelligence. Right. And it's saying based on the patterns of what humans have written, this is why it should be there. It's not saying it feels like it should be there. It's simply saying based on pattern recognitions that I see in the pattern of data, this is the best word to choose next. Right. Which is completely different than intelligence. Yes. It's just very rapid what used to be called data mining where you're just going through and searching through data to try to find a nugget that's useful that you can bring back, which is a very useful thing, and computers are much better at it than humans are. You know, many, many, many orders of magnitude better than humans are. Because humans are intelligence, and that's not an intelligence-required thing. To be able to search things doesn't really require intelligence. Because you can easily make machines that do that. So so what what is intelligence? Because a lot of people would say, like, someone who's really good at chess, they're intelligent. Well, computers are better than humans at chess. So, so you know, what is intelligence? And, and there's kind of two aspects to what is intelligence. 
One is, you know, that actual what is intelligence. But there's another thing is what are causing people to say something's intelligent that would drive their fear, right? Because what they're defining intelligence, it's a really hard question to find intelligence, right? Because does a dog have intelligence? I don't know. I just asked what intelligence was. Right. And the answer is depends. I mean, it knows how to sniff out a rabbit and chase a rabbit if it's a good rabbit killing dog. <laughs> yeah, there's there's dogs that have certain forms of intelligence. But if you start to talk about general intelligence, it seems to me that the most important thing for general intelligence is the opposite of what ChatGPT has. What ChatGPT does is it takes a whole bunch of data and it does deductive reasoning, meaning it narrows that whole bunch of data down to a specific point of data that's useful and pulls that out. And useful for a specific definition of useful. Right. Useful to answer the question in this case. Right. right? Because it's to answer questions is what they set it up for. Humans don't actually aren't very good at that, like I said before. So if you define that as intelligent, then humans haven't been more intelligent than computers for a long time, since like the 60s. If intelligence is the speed of being able to do math, pff, humans aren't nearly as fast as computers. Since the first transistor was right, right. I mean, it, it was pretty early that we lost that race. Right. And so it took a while to get to the point where – and you could say that the race was actually lost with chess because chess is a good deductive reasoning thing. There's a huge number of possibilities. You have to come up with what is the possibility that wins. It can – Ignore all the secondary things to keep to the primary and just deduce what is the best thing from all the possibilities. That's what ChatGPT is doing in a sense, deductive reasoning. Now, what humans are much, much better at than computers, in other words, computers do them 0%, is inductive reasoning. To go from a small thing to generalize it and to come up with a general answer. And to, you know, that's, that's what computers can't do. So I took a artificial intelligence class in computers in probably 84, maybe 83, something like that. And in 83 and 84, when they were defining artificial intelligence, they were very clear. Artificial intelligence is not chat GPT. They would go, absolutely, that's not. That's a joke. You've got to be kidding me. But now – You're saying deductive reasoning. They would have said deductive reasoning was not – What it's doing, they would have said that is simply data mining – that's great that they can do data mining with that quantity of data because we don't couldn't nearly do it in 83, 84. You don't have nearly the capacity. It's scale and speed of processing, right? Scale I mean, and the- speed of processing, and they've come up with better algorithms to do it. But, I mean, it's, it's, it's what people were already doing in the 80s. They've just been able to do it faster because computers got faster. They were able to do it against more data because the storage of data got phenomenally larger, many orders of magnitude larger. And so that shift happens, but what, they ha- what happened is Lisp and other languages that they were doing that were supposed to be able to write code, they basically quit because they went, this is impossible. It will never work. And so artificial intelligence, like when I took a class on artificial intelligence, when they thought that they could actually get computers to be artificially intelligent, which is like in all the science fiction stuff's going on then, and so they're actually doing research in there, they punted on that and gave up and said it's impossible. But now they're selling this other thing and saying this is artificial intelligence where if they actually could have done those things that were impossible to do, that they were trying to do in the, in the 80s, 
then that would be something that you could fear. But what we found out was it's, it's simply not possible. So let's redefine our terms. And the, and the, and the reason why – one of the reasons why people are kind of saying, oh, look, I can do whatever type of reasoning you want because you can ask these questions and it's read – I mean it has processed all the papers on here's the questions that computers need to answer. So if you ask it those questions, it gives you back the answers. Now it might be as simple as changing the words around and suddenly it can't answer the questions anymore because you know it it it, it, it knows what people have said quote unquote knows you know it can pull and make patterns and matches in what people have said so it can parrot stuff back but it doesn't actually have the understanding and the reasoning to be able to actually answer the questions you know it's making connections between words like not but in right. the end those are not like truth values that cannot be violated and they sometimes get overwhelmed by the other connections it's making and so it loses the knot in there and, and it effectively it. has a symbol table sort of like and it, where like if you say a name and you say something it'll remember that association of that name and keep some level of context with it i mean so it has you know it does those sort of things but i mean what you said i think you said something really key was it doesn't have understanding and i mean if you look at proverbs 4 7 wisdom is the principal thing Therefore, get wisdom, and in all you're getting, get understanding. And this is what I was trying to say earlier when I was talking about me and my early sales days, is I didn't have understanding of what I was talking about. I knew how to say some things, but I couldn't actually solve the problem. I mean, and, and it's amazing to me. There are times we'll go into a customer, and the customer has a really difficult problem. And I can see some of the things. I can see some of it. And you'll go, right here, this is what you need to do. This is where everything is. You need to solve this right here, and then you can do this, you can do this, you can do this, you can do this, you can do this. And all of a sudden, everything is laid out. And you could not do that. It wasn't a problem of big data. It wasn't a problem of taking that data. and do. It was, it was an issue of looking at something and narrowing it back down and going, here's the thing that you need to figure out. Not giving you a list of things to check. Not giving you a, 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 a sensible set of, well, here's some sanity checks that you should walk through, which ChatGPT can come up with those. But it couldn't actually tell you what you should do. It couldn't take from the, from the, the, the thread, right? Kind of it's like when you're doing things, when you're inductive reasoning, like you pull on a thread and you recognize that that thread has to be connected to other things and that there has to be a bigger picture there. Right. That's inductive reasoning. It can never sense that there's a bigger picture there. All right. it can see is the thread, which means most problems are not solvable by it. And another part of this is that humans were made in the image of God. And what exactly does that mean? What, what are all the things that that entails? Um, you know, I don't know that we can even make a list of all the things that entails, but it does mean that humans are, you know, at their core different than anything else. They're different than computers. They're different than, you know, uh, machines. They're different than animals. Um, and then we could make a list of some of the ways they're different, but the thing is, it's you. You can have you can an ape can ape you, pun intended. It can copy what you're doing, but the, it, it doesn't create civilization. It can't even talk to you. It can't do any of these things because while it can do some quote unquote intelligent things, it doesn't have that. It, it's not made in the image of God, and it never will be. And it's and it's obvious if if you look at it. And I do think that there's a reason why the the you know robot that serves you a hamburger at mcdonald's now right that you can plug your order in a computer and it can have a bag that it delivers and nobody touches it that people aren't afraid of that and yet they look at chat gpt which can't actually move anything and they're afraid of that i do think it's very language related mm -hmm. because people recognize that one of the core differences between man and other things 
is language. And so that's even why you look in, you know, for a long time they were trying to get apes to speak, you know, do sign language, do these other things, because they wanted to prove that man was was not made in the image of God. And so they try to get other things to speak. And so now all of a sudden you have chat GPT not speaking, but basically generating words that correspond to thoughts you can put it that you can read. Voice. Sure, The conversation we've been having keeps making me think about Alan Turing and the way that he tried to solve some of these problems. During World War II, he was one of the people who uh, you know, very, ran this secret program that broke the German Enigma code machine. So he was famous for that after the fact once his kind of documents were released. But he was also one of these people who was a, a very large mind in thinking about computers at the time. And and from the time that you get computers, people are asking these things like, can machines think? Can machines think? And that's a really hard question to answer because it's really hard to define what thinking is. Just Just putting that disembodying that question, taking it out of either a human or an animal or God or angels, whatever, and just thinking about what thinking is in the abstract is very difficult. It's hard to come up with the necessary and sufficient conditions. So what Turing did was he basically redefined the problem. And he said, you know, and, and this is, you know, go look it up, look up the Turing test. Just, but just kind of the thumbnail sketch of that is basically, well, let's see if, if a machine can think. If you can start feeding information into it and it generates information back to you and you can't tell if you are interacting with a machine versus a human, then the thing is thinking. So what he's done is he's just completely ignored the philosophical problem of what thinking is and treated it as a functional problem. If this thing functions like it is a thing that thinks, well, then it thinks, which is exactly where we are with ChatGPT. It functions like something that thinks. What Turing basically did is he took a question about what is thinking and he replaced it with a question that's about self-deception. Are you willing to say that this is another person on the other side? Can you be tricked? Can you be fooled? That thinking is when you're fooled. And and in the end, I mean, this I mean, he 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 let man fall into one of man's most fatal blunders. It's when you look into the mirror and you say the face on the other side is the face of God. That I mean that is that is the problem. This is what man is doing right now. This is why we're so afraid of it. And, and that, it is language. In in I mean that's a very fundamental paper in any of the philosophical mm-hmm. literature about this is what Turing had to say about it because it's sort of what he did was he just stepped around a problem that nobody could solve. It's a very hard problem philosophically, especially if you don't believe in God. It's a very hard problem to solve. So he just steps around it and says, "Okay, let's talk about things that function like thinking things." And that's exactly and that's what where we are today. That's exactly too. where we are today. I mean, but artificial intelligence, what they did was they stepped around the problem. They were trying to actually solve the problem is how can you have something that actually generates new ideas? And they went, that's impossible. We'll never solve that problem. So they just stepped around it by redefining terms. And it's like what you said about biases and things. It's like there's a point where do you keep pursuing the thing that you think you're not going to get any more grant money for because you've kept failing, or do you change the terms so that you can start succeeding? And they went, hey, let's just change the terms. Which, right? I mean, thank goodness. Otherwise, it'd be a big waste of money. I mean, better to try to teach the apes to you know, bring you, make you breakfast than try to teach them to talk and think because it's not going to work. You might get them to make you breakfast, maybe. Right, and if they were being honest about ChatGPT – 
I wouldn't have a problem with it. If they were being really descriptive about, here's what it is. They weren't trying what, to fear monger off right, of it. Here's what it really can do. Here's ways you, and, and if they tried to make it more like a tool and kept per, stop pretending like it is general intelligence... It would be. It would even become more useful more quickly. Which I mean, some of the things. I mean, they're going to try it. They're going to add it to the Microsoft Office products, where it is more tool focused rather than right. And even some. I mean, they have plenty of disclaimers on their site saying nothing this says is true. Don't trust it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> so. You know, just like a lot of employees today, it's just going to be another employee <laughs> that's a that's a pathological liar. Like I said before, how do you define thinking? How do you define intelligence? These are really hard concepts to figure out because there is no universal definition. But when you think of Chat GPT, you could have two Chat GPTs communicate with each other, and exactly what would the advancement be? Nothing. Nothing. Why don't they get a thousand do of them of and have them talk and they could solve and it all would the mean world's problems? Nothing, right? <laughs> right? You know, and, and the end result of it is it couldn't do anything. You know, that's just foolishness. That's just vanity. And we need to see it for what it is. When we start to talk about being intelligent, if people are intelligent, there's, there's an idea of advancing. In ChatGPT, all it can do is re- regurgitate what it already had. It's not going to come up with new things. Because it's a tool. If you throw all your hammers in a bag, if you throw all your massive factory machines in a room without human intelligence using them, they're useless. There's tools that even – but just because it's a tool doesn't mean it's useless. There are useless tools, but you know the fact that it's not an intelligence doesn't mean that you know it's never going to help anyone. But it does mean that it's not – a person and it will never be a person and i mean in the end some of what you're saying there is it, it does become a spiritual issue because in the end i mean there's there are people who believe that all humans are tools that all humans are you know i mean i remember that you know and so there's a part of where part of the reason like you said why we want to believe this is because we we also in one way we want to elevate the machine and we want to lower man we want to bring man down. Man was made in the image of God, and we want to deny that man was made in the image of God. I remember a debate between two people, and they're like, if all we are is matter in motion, you could just t- shake up two you know, soft drinks, open them, and let them shoot into the air, and it would, our debate would be no different than that. It's just matter in motion. It's just the sound of two, you know, two, two sodas overflowing. But do you really believe that the substance of the conversation between these two people, that that's all that's happening here? And some people want to go, yes, that's all it is. There's no difference. Chat G- two chat GPTs talking is no different than two people talking because two people talking doesn't actually achieve anything. And that's not true. And, that, and then you come to the spiritual question, does life have meaning? Does life have purpose? Does any of it matter anyway? Did God and create if the answer is, for a reason? And if the answer is no, then what's the difference between a computer putting right. out text and a person putting out text? And part of it is shrinking it down to just be pure materialism. Let's make sure that we remember why people want to make things purely materialistic. If it's purely materialistic, there is no sin. Right. And so you want to go have sex, go have sex. You want to go get drunk, go get drunk. You, you want can, to murder your neighbor. There's, you want to murder your neighbor, murder your neighbor. How can you say Hitler's wrong? And But people want to shrink it down to that level because then their, their own sin is completely ignored because there is no such thing as sin because there's nothing beyond materialism. So when you're looking at chat GPT, recognize that part of their fear is because they've convinced themselves of a lie that there's nothing beyond material. If there's nothing beyond material, then ChatGPT, you could see why it would be afraid, fearful, because it's material, war material, what's the difference? And you can see how, in a way, God is mocking man. Because in the end, God created man. 
to worship him and to enjoy God forever. And when man says that my purpose is for all these different reasons, when man does this, then God says, fine, chase your idolatry, chase yourself, create something in your own image, and reduce yourself to nothing. Because in the end, I mean, this is part of it, is if man doesn't have a purpose, they are the same thing. If man doesn't have, and so there's this part of it where God sent, God lets man go down this path so that we kind of become a mockery of ourselves. In the end, if we say we're creating something great, and the creation of that great requires us to redefine ourselves so that we are nothing. And it's, there's, just, there's just a really interesting just juxtaposition there of, of, of who God created man to be and who we end up being in our rebellion against him. I mean, it's just the basic scripture says that man will become like what he worships, yes. that, that you will become like the idols. And, and the implication in those texts is the idols are dumb, they're stupid, they have hands, they can't do anything with, they have eyes, they can't see, all who worship are like them. And that's a really good pattern for, because fear is just a form of worship. And we started this talk off saying, should we be afraid of this thing? Which you can just say is, should we worship this thing? Do Do we owe honor to this thing of a particular type? And if we want to say that this is a thing worth fearing, then we're saying that there's there's some worship to it. And, and your point is the point to which we start fearing this thing is the point to which we have turned it into an idol. We're worshiping it, and God is going to mock you. He's going to make you like the thing that you're worshiping, which is a dumb, stupid machine. And, you know, it, it ties to so many other ways that— you know, we go, God says marriage is between a man and a woman. We say no marriage is between two men, right? I mean, we're taking all these things and making them shadows of the reality. We do this all over the place. And now we're doing this also in, in intelligence and what, what makes man unique among the animals. And we're saying this thing that's a shadow, that this is the same as the substance. Because we keep doing this. This is, this is the pattern of American culture right now. I mean, one thing that to recognize with this as well is that that people want to believe they're the creator. They want to put themselves in the place of God. That's what we're doing as a society. That's what we do when we say it's all material. And when we put ourselves in the the place of God, God who is omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent, he goes, I'll make something that's an icon, right? Man is is not an image like that we're exactly like it, but we're an image like a two-dimensional image of a three-dimensional thing. And what we're afraid, though, is that we can actually create something that's in our image so that it will – but we mature. We grow in knowledge. We grow in wisdom. We grow in understanding. So we're afraid that we will create something made in our image that will then be greater than that, right? Somebody has a child, and that child grows up and at some point gets to be stronger than their father. And we go, that's what these things have to do, only they're never going to die. And so we have this idea that we're going to be a creator like God, but yet we're not fit at all to be a creator like God. Because God, if we grew in, to be infinite in wisdom, all we do is tie God. But that's not true when man creates something. He's afraid that it will become greater than him because he knows he's not fit to be a creator. And there's also, like you, I think you said this earlier, that part of this is tied to man's belief in evolution because there's this idea that you can, you can take a subset of a thing and by ramming the subset of the, you know, by combining the subset of knowledge with another subset of knowledge, you can create something greater than the knowledge that, you know what I mean? It's just this, it's, com- it's pure magical thinking that somehow by just, if you do it faster 
And, you know, with evolution, they do it over time. And here we're just going to speed the cycles up. So it's like, it's like the idea of having the chat GPTs talk to each other. It's why don't they do that? Why don't they just hook them all up and have them talk to each other and put them on the fastest computers you could ever have? And surely they would <laughs> have nothing. Right. I mean, it's, it's, it's the, you know, a million monkeys would, additionally, would eventually produce Shakespeare. And the answer is no, they wouldn't. There's just this idea that we believe these false ideas and we th- – and we know they're false. We absolutely know they're false, but we keep throwing wishful thinking after it. It's pure fantasy. In another way that we, you know, when you read what these men wrote, right, I mean, the, the six-month moratorium so that the government of the world can regulate this, it has to be worldwide regulation. Do you know how stupid that is? I mean, for anybody that, that pretends to be an intelligent man and write a letter saying that there'll be worldwide regulation, I remember in my lifetime, when uh, you know they started cloning animals, and they wrote worldwide regulation that banned cloning all throughout the world, and six months later there was a sheep <laughs> that was cloned because there's man wasn't given that authority. He doesn't have it, and anybody that pays any attention at all knows it will never happen. They're asking for something that is absolutely impossible because man doesn't have the authority to do it. God hasn't granted it to him, but they want to live in a fantasy world. Like that man could actually stop it. Like every man can control other men. They can't. Right. But again, they're playing God. They think they can play God. They think that they can enforce laws on all people at all times and all places. And anybody who pays any attention to the world recognizes it's simply not true. And so we look at these men and we go, oh, yeah, they're brilliant men. Yeah, that's intelligence is hard to measure because you can be very bright in one area and just an absolute idiot in another area. Right. And the letter literally was idiocy. Because there's never been it. worldwide regulation of anything. <laughs> of anything. That, there, that, you know, maybe like if there's a mine that is only in one or two areas. But well, if you're talking about something that's available to anyone with a computer, you can't have worldwide regulation. There's no The UN doesn't even make laws that apply to all the countries. There's no one who can even do that. Right. It's just total fantasy land. Right. But it's going to happen now and we're going to do it for six months. I mean, it's like, how do these people have... Don't aren't just like completely ashamed of having even proposed that. I mean, it's something that man keeps trying. I mean, I think it was in James Rhodes' book, uh, The Making of the Atomic Bomb. He talks about how Leo Seilert and some other people had this. They saw the potential of nuclear weapons, and they said part of their some of the Jews and some of the others. They said what we hoped would come out of of nuclear weapons was a worldwide government that would abolish war. You know, I mean, yeah, this, this Einstein is, wrote about that earlier, and right. too, and he was pushing for it. And it's like there's another example of a very bright man who was an absolute idiot in other areas. Right. I mean, his he was so naive and so just. I mean, it was like so childish his thinking about what man's like that he actually thought that somebody could pass a law that you could create an organization that would be without sin so that they could regulate everything perfectly. Right. But yet you have to give them all the armies in the world so that they have all the power, and this isn't going to cause t- tyrants. Right. I mean, it's like you're living Many through World War II, and yet Einstein couldn't see what was so obvious to anybody that looked is that the only way to constrain power is to have somebody else that has power. You don't give everybody power, and that will somehow produce utopia. Right. But there's these utopian ideas that are so contrary to the real world, and that's what this is, this idea that you can just pass laws and you can legislate it. That's not what God has given man to do. And what are you even trying to legislate against? Something that has never happened and arguably You're just going to stop anybody from trying to do it is what they're, trying, what they're suggesting. 
right? Unless you're a big company that can comply with all the government Which, regulation. I mean, that by itself, I, anybody who has children knows. You say, oh, this is a really powerful and dangerous thing. Don't mess with it. All you're doing is you're inducing temptation to mess with Which it. Which was the cloning thing. And I mean, everybody's saying it's going to take a few years before any large animal will be cloned. It's like six months before Dolly the sheep is cloned. And I mean, the whole like world nothing. has been completely transformed in that time period. You know, yeah. during, look at, Nobody's alive now. Everybody I'm a died. Clone. You're a clone. <laughs> And you look at it, and they were doing the same fear-mongering there. Exactly the same fear-mongering. Do we pull off the masks and show we're lizard people? Is that, that's not <laughs> no, no, no. We're sheep people. <laughs> Sheeple. <laughs> this idea isn't something that we're just saying. In Scripture, in 1 Peter two thirteen to 14, it says, Therefore, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the king as supreme, or to governors, as to those who were sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. I mean, in Peter, and you could read in Romans as well, Scripture clearly acknowledges that authorities that exist, they are raised up by God. They are raised up for specific purposes. Man, man is not the one who goes, oh, I'm just going to create a worldwide government. Man isn't the one who is driving all this. It is driven by God. And so there's an absolute denial of people just to think because because we sent out a letter because of this this is why you could believe they could be fooled is because they're this smart and they think that by sending out this letter they can cause the governments of the world to do something that they've never done before because a bunch of smart people asked them to. But remember Elon Musk and his history with the SEC. <laughs> Right. Right. I mean, Elon Musk breaks the law frequently. With right. Twitter, he clearly broke the law in purchasing stock. And he just said, hey, it's cheaper to pay, you know, whatever it was, a few million dollar fine than it is to drive up the price of the stock. I'd rather pay the fine. Right. He knows, right? He knows this doesn't work. It's not like he's How do playing you a game. AI research. <laughs> right. It's just, he's just playing a game, pretending like this will do it. And it's just hard for me to believe that Elon Musk doesn't realize that it's just, He's just making stuff up that he knows is never going to happen. He's trying to do fear-mongering. He's trying to stoke fear. He's trying to get more Twitter Twitter followers. And get people to believe that there really will be a, a fully self-driving vehicle. Right. Only maybe he can get a six-month moratorium because they're not doing it fast enough. Right. We had to <laughs> He push, won't stop working We had to it. push it back. Right. I mean, and one thing that we should recognize in all these things is that it really does play into the pride of man. And we think that we can create something that will become so powerful. And what it ends up doing is it, it's very destructive because God promises, right? Pride comes before destruction and the haughty spirit before a fall. And we're getting more and more proud. You know, and look at, you, know, you can look at climate change and how much damage has been done to the economies of the world, how many trillions of dollars we've spent on it because, because we say man is so powerful he can burn up the world and cause all of us to die. Guess what? Revelation's really clear. That's not how the world ends. It's not how you get the new heavens and the new earth. That's not going to happen. That's not the fervent heat? <laughs> That's not the fervent heat. But you, you look at these things, and there's just this, this arrogancy. But this arrogancy really causes serious problems, like the population bomb that was from the 70s or whatever it was. That you know, Now you look at these nations, and like all the Western nations are dying. We need to set that bomb off again. <laughs> I mean, it worked. We killed people. 
Um, but you look at it and you have this haughty spirit that you say, we're going to take over the world or this thing's going to take over the world. And whenever man does this, it causes really serious problems. Like Elon Musk. It's interesting because Elon Musk is pushing this fear-mongering when he's going, you know, the population bomb. That thing, it's killing everybody and everybody needs to have children. Otherwise, the world's going to die. This is the biggest risk to society. Right. At the same time, but it's the con game from, you know, the 60s. And now he's playing the con game from the 2020s. All the while telling us we're going to end up on Mars. Right. Another con game. <laughs> but all it, but we shouldn't discount how damaging these things can be and how widespread the damage can be. Because you look and how many billions of people are not alive right now because, you know, a book was written that was foolish, that didn't make any sense, that was completely untrue, was scientific without any science. And so, you know, now the average, you know, rate of like a lot of countries like Ukraine, it's like 1.3, 1.4 per women. And it requires 2.1 or 2.15 in order for the population to continue. All these nations are dying because of ideas that came out like this that were published. So when we look at this and we go, how do they, they can't really believe this stuff. We shouldn't, at the same time, we should really be concerned just how much damage these lies do because God does judge the pride of man. And in the end, it's these lies that end up causing the most damage. They cause much more damage than the actual They're the technology. much more dangerous thing than chat GPT. Right. I mean, this is a constant theme of, this, of, this, of our podcast is Christians need to think. And, I mean, uh, what I was saying earlier is, is we've lowered the standard. There are a lot of people who they are never really called on to actually think. They're just called to say words that sound like they should come after the next thing. They're just called to, they just try to produce something that sounds like something that other people have produced, as opposed to actually sitting down and saying, Scripture allows us to understand the world. Scripture allows us to see things and think how it, how we should actually do things, solve real problems, and solve problems that can't be solved through just data analysis, that can't just be solved through speed of computation, but can actually be solved by the Spirit of God working in man to bring forth the work of God. And so, I mean, this is what the church should be doing. That's, that standard should be raised. And we'd have a lot less fear of these things if this was how we were thinking about it. If we were actually thinking, we would be a lot less prone to being able to be driven by fear-mongering because our fear would be in God. And we should just understand really basic verses. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. When these people go, this is what's going to happen— people who plainly and explicitly do not fear God. When they're saying these things are what we should fear, we should recognize they don't know what they're talking about. That's what the Bible says. They don't know what they're talking about because they're afraid of things that, why are they afraid of that? Because they don't understand the world at all. Because to have knowledge, you have to fear God. To be able to to understand how the world works together, you have to fear God, and they don't. Often people in the church don't either, which right. is another problem why it will be a, the fear-mongering will be as easy to sell in the church as it is outside. Maybe not as easy, but it will be easy to sell in the church. You, you talked about it at the beginning that this is a tool, and it's a tool that, that you either will use for good or you will use for evil. And I can think of particular applications in the church. You know, I you can't tell me right now that there's not a pastor who hasn't been tempted to use ChatGPT to write his sermons. And that would be bad. That's just tempted. A, there's been sermons given. <laughs> it's really hard for me. Right. I mean, there's. I know there's services that you can sign up for that you can 
basically pay them to give you sermon illustrations. Those those will go out of business with this. I think ChatGPT can handle that. <laughs> and it's it's this it's exactly the same thing that happened with university papers. There used to be services where you could go and you could hire somebody to write a paper for you based on the prompt. And now that's going to go out of business. And you know what? That's a good thing. But Christians have to think. And if you as you as a pastor, you as somebody who steps up in a pulpit, are tempted to be lazy and let this write your sermons for you instead of thinking then don't think that you're actually going to be feeding the flock. Just don't. But remember Spurgeon. Spurgeon, after he would preach on a given Sunday, the next day he would review the notes from that sermon that were taken in shorthand when he preached it. He would edit the notes. They'd be printed on Tuesday. And then churches all over England would preach it the the next Sunday. No different then. No different then than using ChatGPT. It's pretty much the same idea. Well, uh, well, different in the sense that it came from <laughs> yeah, someone. It was actually it might have been better. Yes, <laughs> uh, we, we, well, we would hope so. Per, no, no better for the person giving the sermon. Right, and then that's part of it. Is is what is that the church is called to edify one another to love and good works, and that requires growth. It requires labor. It requires actually working with the tools yourself. It requires understanding what you're reading, and in the end. God has not called you to stand there and just say, I'm going to parrot words that someone else said. I hope they're true. In the end, the pastor's to give an account for the souls of the people in his congregation. He can't do that if he doesn't understand what he's saying, if he's not the one who can say, I'm saying things that will actually move you, you people specifically, towards righteousness. What problems are plaguing my church? What issues do I need to deal with? What things are going on here? That's his job. That is the work he's called to do. And so, I mean, you know, if you want to have something that helps you with your grammar, fine. You want to have something that helps you with your spelling, great. Don't ask it to exegete scripture. (laughs) When we think of chat GPT actually having intelligence and being artificial intelligence and the fact that it can take over the world, Christians should really go, if we think that, what do we think of human beings? And what do we think of God? Because if we're thinking that a computer can can be as intelligent as reasoning as a person is who is made in the image of God, we're very confused about the world. And we're fearing things that clearly the Bible says we shouldn't fear because nothing was made in the image of God except man. But part of it is, is that we can like wander through this world and not think and not engage our brains, and we can act as dumb as ChatGPT. We should make sure that we're actually thinking because we were made in the image of God, and we have a much greater responsibility, a responsibility that no computer can ever fill. Thanks for listening. This has been The Conquering Truth, a project of Reformation Baptist Church. If you found this helpful, you can visit us online at theconqueringtruth.com and subscribe here or in your favorite podcast app. Thanks for watching.